Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back. Another edition of Believe in Betting. We have not only the NFL games this week, and we also have a national championship game to be played in college football. So we're going to navigate through all of that today, and we're going to navigate through it and talk about everything for the end of the NFL season and the college football game. That is basically an SEC championship game. The NFL in the final week of the season is always a landmine, dangerous situation for everybody that's making a bet out there. You don't know who's starting. Players are resting. Players are also playing for motivation. There are those guys that are out there um, that you seem to turn around. You see some of these prop bets and things of that nature that you can take advantage of because there are some guys out there, they're playing for bonuses, right? If you catch this many balls, you get this much bonus. If you catch that many balls, okay, if you get an extra sack, you get a bonus. So a lot of these guys are playing for bonuses. And here's the thing. The team knows it, right? I mean, the quarterback knows, all right, if my guy, who's my buddy, who's been playing well all year, gets uh, five catches today. Well, you know what? I'm going to pepper him a little bit. The game doesn't mean anything. So you have to watch out for that. I remember back, uh, you know, in the Peyton Manning against Tom Brady years, there was always the debate. And the debate was Tony Dungy, he loved to rest his players. Loved to rest everybody. That's all he ever did in the last week of the season. The Colts seemingly always had a, a bye week. He rested everyone and that didn't work out too good for him. Uh, the New England Patriots, on the other hand, they used to play everybody fully, completely play them. But you do see weird things happen because, you know, look, if a guy goes out there and gets injured, well, you're an idiot, right? I mean, that's just it. If a guy goes out there, and, oh, you should have sat him down. But if they also come out rusty, well, you're also an idiot, you know? So it is a weird spot for sports betters because in a sports handicapping landscape, you've got to take this into consideration. It's not only how much, you know, will they uh, they start, but how much will they play, right? Oh, if this guy's not starting, yeah, he might start, but he might play two possessions. It's almost like a preseason game. So generally speaking, this final weekend of the season, this final Sunday of the season, this is a weekend I hate to go anywhere near. You also have the real, real impactful notion that a lot of betters at this point, they'll bet with their emotion. Well, this team needs it more, so they'll go out and win. Well, this team has to win, so they'll go out and win. Well, this team doesn't care. Now, well, look, these guys are still professionals. Like I said, a lot of them are still playing for contracts. Some of them are still playing just to stay in the league. You don't know what you're going to get in these kind of in the form of these players. You don't know what you're going to get from the coaching staff. We truly don't know. 
We truly have no idea in a lot of these situations because a lot of times, you know what, as good as the information might be, as much as you think you have a guy that knows a guy that knows, no, no, no. A lot of players don't even really know how much their emotions and how much their motivation. You could be pumped up, get out there, and you go, ah, you know, and I, my mind's my mind's already home with my wife and kids. Now my mind's already home going to the club tonight. I, I'm already kind of in the offseason. So we really don't know. So it's a dangerous place for sports betters this week. I always tell everybody, tread very lightly, be very cautious, um, be real careful what we're going into in this week. This should be the lightest week of your betting season. This should be the week where you just eliminate games right off the bat. You should be looking at it and just say, you know what? At the end of the day, done. Yeah, I'm just not even going near it. Done. I'm not going anywhere near. Nope, nope, don't like that game. Nope, too many variables. I'm just not going anywhere near it. And be able to kind of take a day off and and, uh, maybe even the entire day off or pull back your bets. If you're somebody, look, I'm somebody that only bets you know, one or two, maybe three games on a single day anyway. Um, so I'm a low-volume player. But if you're a guy that's betting, you know, eight, nine, ten bets, including prop plays and everything, well, we'll pull them back. You know, maybe only bet four or five if you don't feel comfortable. Don't force anything. Playoffs are coming. Got a lot more time to make a lot of money. We'll start off the 2022 New Year with a New Year's resolution to not force bets in any capacity. With that being said... We also have a game coming up on Monday. Now, there's no Monday night football. There's no Thursday night football this week either. But there's no Monday night football. But what there is, is a national championship game, right? So I want to get into the national championship game, which is looking at this moment where Nick Saban's going to be getting three points as an underdog. Now, we can have a conversation, and we will, about, you know, matchups and how these teams got there. But I want to begin this segment Talking from a handicapper standpoint. Talking from a sports betting mindset. Alabama as an underdog, they just flat out win. They just flat out win. In their last six games as an underdog, they wound up winning five of the six. You go all the way back to 2008. 2008 plus four and a half against Clemson, they won the game by 24 points. 2008, they also were an underdog plus six and a half. They won by 11 at Georgia. 2008, once again, they were 10-point underdog. Well, they lost that one by 11 to Florida. Okay, so almost covered, but lost that one. I know some people are going to write in over at Sports Garden. You know, I got to push. I'm giving you the numbers, basically at the closing number. 2009, they took on number one overall team, Florida, in the country. Plus five, they won that game by 19. 2015, at Georgia, plus one, they won that game by 28. 2021, Plus six against Georgia, SEC championship game just a couple of weeks ago. They won the game by 17. So not only have they won five of the last six games that they've been the underdog, they've won five of the last six games being the underdog by double digits. They come in plus three against Georgia. It is the same coach, the same quarterback, the same teams that we saw just a couple of weeks ago. Yet Alabama continues to be the underdog. This is a dangerous spot. Look, Alabama's going to their sixth national championship game in eight years, and they're ninth over the past 13 years. That is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Now, I've been a proponent to scream at the top of my lungs that the SEC, and especially Alabama, doesn't play by the same rules as everybody else, and that begins to be true. Um, No matter how you slice it and the more you dig in, it does. But they're there. I mean, and they have the experience. That's something to pay attention to. 
you also have to understand that this gives Nick Saban a blueprint of how to get prepared for these games with the extra time off. He's got the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. We know that. He's got Williams. He's got Mechie. Um, he's not going to play in this game, but I'm saying over the course of the season, right? Brian Robinson threw his name in. He got a 200-yard uh, you know, rushing attack against uh, Cincinnati. It was considered one of the better defenses in the country. We look at him. On the defensive side, there are still lots of talented names. Will Anderson led the nation in tackles for loss. Uh, you look at how good Will Anderson is. He's probably a top three draft pick, top five. He's definitely first-rounder. So they have the names, and it just seems like Alabama sort of had a down year. Well, they had a down year because they played teams close. They didn't blow teams out, but they are still here in the championship game. They are getting three, though, and this is what we're talking about. Now, Georgia on the other side, look, I've made this mention a couple of times because I think it's a, a simply amazing stat. There are more five-star recruits on Georgia's defense than the entire Pac-12. Okay, they have the best defense in the uh, in the uh, nation. Just that that's it. I mean, it's unbelievable. They have a 0.36 points per drive. That is the best mark since 2008. Uh, unbelievable. That's uh, according to SI.com. It's been just a fantastic year for them all over the place, and they have to rely upon that defense. I get it. Look, the Bulldogs were rolling. They were crushing teams. Georgia didn't allow 17 points in a game until they met up with Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, And that is the only game all year long where they gave up 17 or more points. Just think about that, 17 points. And they go out there, they face Michigan. I know Michigan isn't exactly a prolific offense, but they continue that where teams just can't get to 17 points, except Alabama, right? I mean, this is where we're, we're looking at. It's all except Alabama. And that really is the thing here. How much do you believe in Alabama just being that team, right? Now, we know the situation with Nick Saban against his assistants. He was 25-0 and until he met with Jimbo Fisher this week, or this year, I should say, uh, where he lost a, a game against Texas A&M, which was just a bad loss. And you start to look at Saban and go, okay, he's, he gives you the blueprint, but you still can't beat him once you leave. All right, so what do we think? What do we think about this game? Well, look, Alabama threw the ball with just exceeding, exceeding success. Bryce Young threw the ball for 421 yards and three touchdowns. It was just a clinic. They do now have a wide receiver that's out. That's something to pay attention to. Georgia's secondary, okay, if there was a weak spot, it's here. So maybe they will throw the ball again, but not from what I watched in the Alabama game plan. I think they try to keep it on the ground at least to establish something early on. At least to establish something. Look, Brian Robinson's, you know, he's not going out there and going to dominate again, but I think you still have to run it. Uh, you know, he had 16 carries, 55 yards. Look, that's fine. That's fair against Georgia to kind of keep them honest here. I do not believe that Alabama's going to come out and just say, you know what, we're going to try to throw for 400 yards again. But I also believe that they understand that, you know what, we have to keep them honest, but we're not going to have a lot of, of success on the ground. Bill O'Brien is an, a very good offensive coordinator. Forget about what you believe he did or didn't do in Houston. He's a very good offensive coordinator. And I think that he understands when to run and be able to run in different areas and different avenues. Now, look, speaking about the run, I think Georgia has to run. 
okay? I think they have to run. They simply could not run against Alabama in the first time out. They, they just couldn't do it. They had 38 yards, okay, um, by the leading rusher had 11 carries. They just they, they threw it away, right? I mean, they just threw it away. They said, well, it doesn't matter. And look, there was, there was pickoffs. There was problems. There was issues. Um, but the quarterback looked good. I, you know, there were times where he was able to torch Alabama for over 300 yards, almost 350 yards, three touchdowns, right? He threw the ball 50 times. Again, I don't see that being a winning formula for Georgia. So Alabama can go out there. They can throw it all day. They can throw it for 400 yards, and they might go up and down the field and go with that philosophy. But I think they're better suited. And I think that if you ask Nick Saban in a closed room, what do you really want to do? They want to run the ball. They want to lean on this defense that was fantastic. They want to be that team and then use the pass as kind of that dagger. I don't want to say a secondary weapon because they're obviously, but you know, going to pass the ball, but use it as the dagger as opposed to the main strike. And that is is something where I do believe that this is going to be a running game for Alabama. I, I think it's smart for it to be generally a running game for Alabama. On the other side, I'm going to make absolutely absolutely no uh, excuses here for what happened to, to Georgia. I, look, they, they just look bad. Okay, they look bad. They had a bad game. But there were parts that you could pin a, and pull out. The problem is, do I think that that's a recipe for success? Do I believe that throwing the ball 50 times against Alabama is a recipe for success? No, I don't. Do I think that throwing for 340 yards but having costly interceptions? No, that's not a recipe for success. But I also have to concede the idea that if you can't run the ball for more than 40 yards and you're only giving your your running back 11 carries, your leading running back, well, that's not a recipe for success either. But I think they have to force the issue. I believe they have to force it in there. I think that when you're starting to look at the weak parts, Georgia's secondary is a weak part, but I still think you have to run on them. And Alabama, yeah, you could give up chunk yards, but you don't want to get into a shootout with Bryce Young. And, and here's here's the thing. Georgia wants to run and play defense. I think Alabama wants to run and play defense. But if Alabama is forced to go up and down the field and they're forced to throw the ball, well, you have the Heisman Trophy winner doing it. And you're able to attack what is the weak part of the Georgia secondary. I don't think you give them the opportunity. So if I'm Georgia, I'm sitting back and I'm saying, no, I'm not even going to give them the chance to get it into an up and down game. I don't want to even be anywhere near a shootout. Why would I go anywhere near a shootout? This is not something that I want to uh, want to touch on. I don't want to go anywhere near that. So when you're looking at the spread, Georgia is a three-point favorite. And the total opened up at 53 and a half. I liked the under at 53 and a half for a lot of the reasons that I just said. I do think that both of these teams want to establish the run. I do think they're going to be a little, I, I don't want to say, you know, they, they always talk about, and you hear all the broadcasters in the world say, it's like a sparring match early on. No, I think there's going to be some haymakers thrown, but I think it will settle into a position of, all right, first first quarter, couple of haymakers, second quarter, let's slow it down, let's establish the run, and I think this comes from both sides. So I like the under 53.5 early on. It's now dipped down to 52. I'm even seeing it at 51.5 in some spots. If you're going to get this and you do like the under, go early on this. As for the best bet 
when you're talking about the over-under. Yeah, I still like the under, but you can still grab an under 26 and a half out there. Even an under 26, I'm fine with. If you can still grab that for the first half, that might be better. Look, like I said, you might be sweating it after the fourth quarter, uh, first quarter because I do believe in the first quarter there might be that established idea of, okay, we're going to take our chances. We're going to try to get up. We're going we're gonna to take our shots downfield. But I do believe the second quarter is going to kind of be relaxed. If you want to take a quarter line, I kind of like the quarter line there as well. So I don't love the total. And you'll see, I don't usually love championship games anyway. I don't love the total. But for me, it's the under or nothing. I don't see another shootout. I think that Georgia's defense will play much better than they did in the first game. And I think that both of these teams' philosophies are just going to be different. I I think that you see the success that they both have. They put up 750-some-odd yards in the air. There is an automatic idea that this is going to be a shootout. But the Georgia defense has proven that they can step up, and the Georgia offense can be led with a running game if they kind of just commit to it. Alabama on the other side, yeah, the same thing. Look, their defense is fantastic, and I think that we watched last week, if you give them the running ability, if you give them a little bit of a seam, they'll take that as well. So let's go on the game itself. You know, the game itself, in the first matchup, for full disclosure, I had Georgia. I thought Georgia was the best team in the country. I failed to realize the teams that Georgia played. I failed to realize, you know, what Alabama was going to get up for. And I failed to realize the motivation factor, which was Georgia knew. Don't tell me they didn't. It's the SEC. We all knew. We all knew. They all knew. They may not have talked about it. And they may have been been a lot of conversation about, oh, yeah, don't let it seep in. But Georgia knew we can lose this game and still go to the national championship. We can lose this game. We can get blown out, and still we're going to the national championship. Well, guess what happened? They lost the game, and they still went to the national championship game. So the motivation factor for Georgia certainly wasn't there. And you might not get a player to admit it, but it's reality. That's reality. So I I undercut that. Alabama also had everything in front of them. Alabama had to win this game. Alabama worked out a lot of the kinks in the game before when they had a really bad game against Auburn. Alabama went in there and they said, we're not going to be bullied by this team. And sometimes in football, pure motivation and just the idea of bullying a team wins you games. So we start to come back around to, here we go, Georgia minus three. I I saw the, the writing on the wall when the matchups came out. I didn't think Michigan was going to hang with Georgia or was able to beat them. And I didn't think Cincinnati was going to be able to beat Alabama. So I've had a couple of weeks to sit back and process this. And my first initial thought was, Georgia's going to win this game. It's hard to beat a team twice, right? It's hard to to, to do that. Um, they were caught all a little off guard, like I said, maybe a little unmotivated in game one. Their defense sh- assuredly will play better. Absolutely, they've got to play better. I mean, these are all the things that came through my mind. And I watched the tape and I watched the film and I said, man, got some passing success against Alabama. If this guy doesn't make, you know, these bad throws and these costly interceptions, well, they, they could have won the game anyway. And this is the process that I went through. And then I remembered Nick Saban. <laughs> and then I remembered you're giving points to Nick Saban with time off. You're giving points to Nick Saban in a championship game with time off. You know, I think it's a sucker's line one way or the other. I think it's a sucker game. I say often, you know, the championship games you shouldn't go anywhere near. And I can tell you right now, for full disclosure, I won't be putting a dollar of my money on this game. Not on the total. And absolutely, and I would put it on the total if anything, but not on the total. 
And I'm not putting it on uh, the the Alabama or Georgia side. I don't like Georgia laying three because all of a sudden Nick Saban got that little motivation that he needed, that extra motivation that, look at this, we're an underdog again. Look at this, guys. We went out there and we beat him up again. I will tell you this. If Alabama was plus three or was minus three, which I thought that they should open up at, if Alabama was minus three, I'd probably be taking Alabama. Uh, I'm sorry. I'd, I'd probably be taking Georgia. Because I think that it's going to be a close game. With Alabama plus three, you got to take Alabama. Not only do you have, in my opinion, the better team, in my opinion, the better coach, uh, in my opinion, the better spot, and the motivation factor is going to be the same for both of these teams, you're also getting points. And again, it's three points, which tells you what I think in this game. If you're giving me three points with Georgia, I'm taking Georgia. Since you're giving me three points here with Alabama, I have to take Alabama. So I think Alabama wins. I think it's a close game. I think it's lower scoring than people anticipate. But there are better games to bet. My college football season is over. I dominated the bowl games. I had a great finish to the season. There's no reason for me to double dip back in and try to make this uh, something interesting. If you do want something, um, the under for Robinson in yards is a probably uh, it's probably a good bet. I don't think he's going to run the ball much. Um, there's no overs that I really like. Uh, potentially, if you really want to potentially take Cook over the running back for for uh, Georgia, maybe you could get a good number on that, depending on where it sits. But I don't expect either one of these running backs to get into that 60, 70, 80-yard range. I think that both of these running backs are held to 60 yards or less. I am, Cook might be able to get to crack that 50 mark, and that could be a little bit of value. So that's my thoughts on the championship game. Hope everybody enjoys it. Hey, maybe this is a game where you just sit back, drink, you know, drink some beers and eat some wings and just enjoy a game and not have some money on it. But I know you guys, you're going to want to have a little bit of money on it. I'll lean Alabama because I'm getting points. I lean the under. I don't like that the number's going down. Maybe a little under in the first half. Maybe a prop play on the running back unders as well. So that's college football. Let's uh, turn our attention to the NFL. Look, I'm not going to go over everything, every single game here because a lot of them don't have any playoff impact. We'll start off with Saturday, Kansas City, Denver. It's about a double-digit spread. The only thing that you need to know about this game is that Denver Broncos, look, they lost 22-9 to the first time that these two teams played, that the Kansas City uh, Chiefs absolutely own this series. They won 12 games in a row. They've won the last four games where Denver hasn't scored more than 16 points. They own this division. They absolutely own the Denver Broncos. And now they're taking on a pretty much a walking uh, corpse on the sidelines, Vic Faggio, because he's gone after this year and Drew Locke in the pocket. This should be an absolute annihilation of Kansas City, who's still trying to get the number one overall seed. Because they play Saturday, they have an opportunity, but I still hate laying double digits in the NFL at all times. I still hate laying double digits even more in division play, and I can't stand laying double digits in division play on the road. Dallas-Philly, I can't talk intelligently about this game on Saturday. Uh, Both teams probably resting their starters. Both teams might go halfway. Dallas needs to get healthy. Philadelphia can't really improve their position. Dallas really can't really improve their position. Uh, The Eagles have one, two, last two in this series. And Dallas is 7-1 against the spread on the road. I won't touch this game. Bears, Minnesota, again, won't touch it. This could be the last game for Matt Nagy. Could be the last game for Mike Zimmer. Is it going to be Fields? Is it going to be Dalton? Is it going to be Foles? They say Fields. If he's healthy, Dalton and Foles, who knows who's going to be the backup there. Kirk Cousins could also return as well. Panthers, Bucks. Look, this does have playoff implications when you really break it down. Uh, the Bucks, they have to win, get a loss from the Rams, who are playing San Francisco later in the day. But it's still double digits. It's 10 points now. 
It's Carolina. Now, Carolina's bad. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but it doesn't really matter. They've lost six straight. Sam Donald has won one of his last six starts. Cam Newton is 0-13 in his last 13 starts for Carolina. New England, Miami, no playoff implications here. Patriots are kind of locked in. They're playing the Bills. It's, I mean, that's just the way that it is. Patriots are about six-point favorite. They're always having problems down in Miami. Miami went through a streak where they just looked absolutely fantastic. Their defense, I expect to play well again here, but the reality is, is that New England is still a team that should get the win here. New Orleans, Atlanta does have a lot of playoff implications. The Saints need to win. Atlanta, though, getting five and a half points at home again. Division game. Matt Ryan's playing some of the best football of his career. He's got one interception in the last five games. And you look at Kyle Pitts is out for Atlanta or else I would be on the Falcons plus the points. Everyone expects the Saints to win this game because they have to win the game. Well, that doesn't always happen in sports. And this is a Saints team that simply can't score. They have no offense. Packers, Detroit, lines all over the place. It was 11, it was up to 12, now it's down to 1, that it was a pick-up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably not playing. Why would he? He's got a bad toe. He's probably sealed up the MVP anyway. Detroit's 10-6 and six against the spread this year. They are playing at home. If one thing that we've learned is that Dan Campbell wants to win and his team will play hard for him. Indianapolis, Jacksonville, the line's up to 17. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, everyone's going to pick Indy. They have to win and they're in the playoffs. Everybody loves them. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense has allowed 227 rushing yards per game over the last two weeks. Look, it is bad. But here's the one thing. If you like Jacksonville, first of all, they don't really lose and and lose you money against the spread as a double-digit favorite. Also, a lot of these Colts wins, they've been against the Jets, they've been against the Texans, they've been against the Jaguars. That's a problem, right? Three of the four home teams they've beaten actually has a 10-38 and 38 record. The Colts, they also haven't beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014. And in the last 33 overall games, I got this from CBS Sports, a good, good nugget here. Last 33 overall games, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 2-2 two two against the Colts. Why is that significant? They're 2-27 and 27 against everyone else. Washington Giants, look, Giants are 0-5 since Daniel Jones went down. Now they don't even have Jake Fromm. They don't have Mike Lennon. We don't know who's going to. I might be quarterbacking. We're not sure. Washington, look, they're all banged up as well. They're given six and a half points. It makes sense, though, because the Giants can't score. They've scored more than 13 points one time in the last month and a half. It's actually seven weeks, so it's a month and three quarters. Tennessee, Houston. Tennessee lost this game the last time, 22-13. to Texans came up. They are getting double-digit points. They are a division game, and they are at home. You guys know how I feel about that, even though Tennessee is getting healthy. Healthier, they still absolutely shouldn't be giving this many points. I'm sorry, it's just a lot. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, it's Ben Big Ben's last game, and he's getting five, five and a half points. The question is, will Lamar Jackson play? And I just don't see why. There's no reason for it. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have a three percent chance of winning, uh, of of making the playoffs. They have to win. They need three other things to happen, and one of those three things that needs to happen: Colts need to lose to Jacksonville. It's not going to happen. Pittsburgh still feels like they have something to play for. Well, they absolutely have Big Ben to play for on offense. On defense, T.J. Watt wants to set their sack record. Bills, Jets, this is another 17-point line in division, but it is at home for Buffalo. The thing is that the Jets have looked good so far. Uh, Over the last month, they've scored at least two touchdowns in every game. They are feisty. They're hanging in there. Every Bills win, though, has been by double digits. Every time they win, they win by double digits. But this is more than double digits. This is 17. Josh Allen against the Jets, he might be 4-2, and but he's got five touchdowns and five interceptions in those six starts. How about Cleveland and Cincinnati? Why would Joe Burrow play here? There's just no reason for him to play. He's got 971 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions the last two weeks, um, but he's got a knee injury. Why would you play him? The Bengals already won the North. There's no reason at all. I will say one thing about Baker Mayfield. You know, everyone's kind of kicking him out the door. He was 3-0 head-to-head against Joe Burrow. Not sure if that matters at all here. Seattle, Arizona. Uh, look, we got to find out, can Arizona put two games back-to-back together? I, I 
am skeptical about Arizona moving forward, but I'm not really skeptical about them this week. I think Russell Wilson's having a hard time. The Seattle defense is really still a sieve, and I think uh, Murray wants to go out there and prove something. San Francisco Rams, Shanahan absolutely owns McVay. The Rams are giving six at home, which makes a lot of sense, but the Niners win and they're in the playoffs. Trey Lance may be there. It might be Jimmy Garoppolo. It looks like it's probably going to be Trey Lance. He adds a little wrinkle there. The Niners, they've won five in a row in this series, and they beat this Rams team 31-10. to They beat them up already this year. Finally, the last game, Chargers, Vegas Raiders. It is win and you're in. Very simple. Darren Waller could potentially come back. Four of the last five meetings have been one-score game. I think it's going to be another one-score game here. I think it's going to be a lot closer game. Everyone wants the Chargers. Everyone thinks the Chargers can make it. Everybody's looking at the Chargers, and I'm just saying, look, you got a hometown team in division with a chance to go to the playoffs, getting plus three points. Derek Carr has done amazing things this year. I can't explain the Raiders. They don't make any sense, but I will say this. The Chargers have one absolute defining problem. They cannot stop the run. They lead the NFL in rushing yards per game against. That is bad. If Josh Jacobs can find any kind of success, I know everybody wants the Chargers to win, and they want Justin Herbert in the playoffs. I get it, but the Raiders have defied all logic this year. I'm not going against defying logic, and going at home and in division and getting points in a win and go in. This is one of those. Sit back, have a couple of beers, and uh, eat some wings, and watch a good game. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Make sure you check us out next week. Again, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Enjoy all the games. Got a good Sunday night game and the national championship game on Monday. Talk to you for our playoff preview next week. Have a good one, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.